When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's canine educator. This is a podcast about the lifestyle of living, working, and loving dogs. I am super excited to do this. I am excited for people who are helping me put all this stuff together because I have no idea what I'm doing. So thank you for everybody helping me. And what this podcast is going to be about is discussion. Um, I do a lot of stuff online with problem-solving, investigation of type stuff, meaning finding the issue, fixing it, working with people, um, bitching at them for doing things wrong. And on the podcast, it's going to be exactly that, but I think in a little bit more depth. So we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about dog behavior um, and then everything else in between. I want to I want to have this podcast to be able to talk to people that, you know, their lifestyle really reflects owning a dog and vice versa and and really having a commodity with your dog and it doesn't matter what you do for work. Uh, I hope to get some friends on the show, some farmers, some brewers, some distillers, some coffee people because I love all of those things and really just reflecting on people living with their dogs and then we're also going to be having people who are professionally working with dogs and of course just people who live with dogs and love them and everything else alike and um, it's going to be a conversation and I'm really excited about it because I, I tend to ramble a lot and I tend to talk a lot and I have a lot of information. Some of it's completely bullshit and some of it's good. So uh, I think hit or miss, we're going to do okay. So anyway, thank you guys so much for joining the first podcast uh, of the No Bad Dogs. It's going to be short and sweet, the first couple. That way we get a couple out. That way you guys can tell me what you like, what you don't like, what we can add or take out. Because um, I want to do this to benefit dog owners. I want to do this to benefit people who are working with dogs professionally and I want to do this for entertainment for people when they're on their long drives to do cool stuff or on their trips. So anyway, the first the first thing I want to talk about on this on this episode here is going to be about why I am who I am and why I've been given the 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 name America's Canine Educator. This is also going to be filmed for those of you on YouTube who are watching as well, um, so you guys can kind of watch me ramble as well and drink coffee because that's what we're going to do. So first things first, again, America's Canine Educator is the term and the business that I've created around multiple different things. The first thing is is when I first started walk, walking dogs, well, and working with dogs, um, I started my first business, dog-related business, about eight years ago, and it basically slowly but surely evolved into what it is today, and uh, and I don't necessarily even know what it is today, but um, it's definitely evolved, and um, I'm super grateful and appreciative to do what I do every day, um, but 
uh, at the same time, it's 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 kind of creating something that I never thought it was going to be, which is cool. So anyway, moving forward, um, I started uh, my first dog dog walking business about eight years ago, and it was called Adirondack Animal Services. And for those of you who don't know, we live in upstate New York, and the Adirondacks are are right behind us. It's a mountain range. It's really not mountainous, but it's pretty. But anywho, um, so. The Adirondack Animal Services dog walking business I started, and um, it turned out that I started working with a lot of dogs who couldn't go to daycares, a lot of dogs who were unruly with other dog walkers, and I slowly but surely in the dog walking industry started to become that dog guy that was working with all of the dogs who nobody else wanted to work with. So, um, And it wasn't really ever on a training thing, and that's the, that's the interesting part. Excuse me. <clears throat> and that's the interesting part because I basically cre- – one of my colleagues have, had called me like the perfect storm of, of a, a dog trainer slash educator or whatever the hell I am. And a lot of it came through um, just working with the dogs who nobody else wanted to work with. And, and for me, it was something that it was evolving without my permission, and it was something that was really, really cool. Um, and it's become, it's become something bigger than what we ever thought it was going to be. And, um, so throughout the years I started walking and walking and walking dogs and I pretty much knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And, um, I started getting really pissed off cause I'd made no money. And for the first four years of my life, I literally just got by off of nothing, um, barely paying bills, um, and throughout the process, I had a lot of great opportunities and worked with some really great <clears throat> dog trainers at the time. They're still good, but I didn't know what it was going to create at that, at that time. But um, So I started working with a lot of just different dog people because it's what I did. And then um, literally there was one time that I got a phone call from somebody and they said, hey, do you, can you, you know, you're the dog person. You always kind of have been. And within my area in upstate New York, it was really like, I was it as far as working with dogs. Um, I was young. I was 20 years old, so I was like a, I was hot out of the cannon, just really hustling as much as I possibly could. Um, but for a long time, I I literally didn't make any money and didn't didn't progress uh, financially at all. Which in any business, you know, if you if you're in business for three to four years and you don't really do any better, you typically will throw in the towel. But in the back of my mind, I always knew that there was something more. Um, to what I was doing, and I felt that internally big time. I mean, the things that I were doing with dogs was was so meaningful to me, um, and not just like, oh, cool, you can go on vacation and drink Mai Tais on the beach. I can watch your dog. It was a lot of things like, you know, hey, uh, I can't get my dog inside. Can you? Or, hey, I can't trim my dog's nails. Can you? Or <clears throat> I haven't – I mean, I've literally slept at clients' house while they're home just to make sure their dogs were like mentally stable. And once I started doing things like that, I was like, okay, like why can't other humans do what I'm doing? And as soon as those kind of started accumulating and really becoming a thing of like I was the problem guy. If there was a problem with the dog, I kind of fixed it, but I didn't know at the time that that was like a thing. I didn't know that that was behavior remodification. I didn't know that that was quote-unquote dog training. Um, but anyway, so it, it, that's something that like kind of evolved and, and then, like I said before, I basically got a phone call from somebody and they said, Hey, 
um, you know, you're the dog guy. Do you, can you work with my dog? It's like, it was, I think it was a German shepherd. Uh, and that'll, that'll play a, a role down the line. Cause, um, if any of you have worked with me before, I mean, my facility right now is full of shepherds. Um, but there's just shepherds everywhere. But anyway, so we had a German shepherd and basically, I, you know, I didn't have a facility. I was doing all in-home dog walking, in-home pet sitting. And frankly, I couldn't afford, uh, hardly a roof over my own head, let alone a a business. And so when we started, when I started working with dogs, I was very insecure about doing that because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to work with dogs professionally. Um, And so my insecurities were always like, yeah, I can help you, but I don't know if I can. Uh, at the end of the day, I didn't know if I was doing things right. And I care about dogs so much that I didn't want to mess anything up and I didn't want to ruin anything. And, um, you know, moving forward, I, I really just started to do that. And so after that point, I really was just kind of trying to figure my way out within the industry. And I, and I didn't really know where to go. And the hard thing for me was, uh, I tried to, you know, as I progressed, if now I'm a dog walker, pet sitter, uh, quote unquote trainer or somebody who can help your jerk of a dog. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't feel confident many, many moons ago working with dogs. And I, and I definitely was just at a completely different level than where I'm at now. And I really almost begged for help from, from local, uh, trainers who had facilities and have been in the industry for a while. And I could not, I literally couldn't get any, any, respect. I mean, I, and that's the problem with the dog training industry, which is one of the literally, honestly, one of the main reasons I don't want to call myself a dog trainer is because there's a lot of political bullshit that goes into it that really just makes it kind of, for me, it just seems it's just, it's a very almost political industry where you're either this or you're that or, or whatever. And, and for me, it was really about helping dogs. Like I didn't care how I got to that destination as long as it was beneficial for the dog. And so I was trying to figure out my way of, you know, can somebody help me through this process when I was young? Because my phone literally after I helped that one shepherd hasn't stopped ringing or, or whatever until today. And we're still continuing to grow, which is awesome. But, um, it was just one of those things that I begged for help. I looked for help. I couldn't get it. Uh, and I don't know why. I mean, maybe because I was a 21, 22 year old, really motivated kid who didn't know anything or I was scary or whatever it could have been. I don't know, but nobody would help me in my area. And so basically what I started doing and which leads me to today in the America's Canine Educator, uh, I guess, title is I started then traveling the country and I started working with people in California and I started working with people literally like almost in every state trying to gain knowledge and reaching out and emailing and constantly just grinding and trying to grab gears because ultimately for me, the more I knew about dogs, the more I could help. And so as, as I progressed and really moved forward with, with trying to be the best person I could be for dogs because people kept coming to me for advice, and I was like, holy shit, I don't really know what to do. So I just continued to try to educate myself, try to help myself, and try to help dogs. Um, but it, it wasn't until the last couple of years I really felt really comfortable in, in what I was doing because of the work that I was doing. And so even after I started becoming and offering the services of quote unquote dog training, um, you know, I still really undervalued myself a lot. I mean, when I first started off, I literally started like $30 a session. And to me, that was too much because I just, again, I just wasn't confident in what I was doing because 
you know, I was insecure about it. Like when you offer a service that I, I believe other people go to school for or have been working on for 20 to 30 years, it's almost it's it's a real jerk move to say, OK, now I'm a trainer. And I've been seeing that a lot uh, within the industry, too, is people just all of a sudden they say, hey, I'm a dog trainer. And it's you know, it's that's a different topic, I think. But that's what the show is going to be about. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there as far as people just calling themselves dog trainers. And, you know, what 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 can that equate and what can what responsibilities do those people hold? And are they you know going to be benefiting the industry or not? But anyway, that's a different bridge. Maybe that's episode 157. But anyway, moving forward. So um I, I really, within like the first two years of me actually offering those services, I still made no money because I wasn't, I just wasn't confident enough. I, I was helping. The cool thing was, is I was getting prog- progress and I was helping. Um, and there were a couple people that really helped me, you know, continue to push and say, Hey, you know, you, you have what it takes. You just have to develop your craft. And, and so rewind, um, back to where I started with nothing. Um, and then you fast forward four to five years, I still had nothing, but I was becoming more confident. My name was still being, you know, thrown around as the dog person. I actually got the the nickname Dog Guy, you know, where I grew up, which was pretty funny. Um, but I would work at local pizzerias to to help, um, you know, pay for the bills that I, I had at the time. And, um, you know, it was just really frustrating for me because working continually for four to five years on something you love and not getting paid is – is frustrating, I think, on every level for anybody in any industry. And so there really came a point where I said, you know, I have to really evaluate myself and do I really have what it takes to be somebody who can live their dream? And and for me, my dream is literally helping dogs. And if I can pay my bills doing so, then that was great. So at the time, I, I what I did is I bounced around. I lived out of my car for a while, uh, like three to four months, uh, I lived in friends' back, backyards. We have pictures of that. That's hysterical. I literally lived in a tent in my buddy's backyard for a while um, with my dogs. And and the thing was is there, there was a pinnacle. It was like I either go to work for somebody else and say, okay, screw my dream, or I stick it out, tough it out, and say I'm not going to let myself suffocate under the impression of the man, if you will, and I just said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jeopardize my future by even at four years when I still wasn't making any money. Um, I, I had a decision to make, do I go work somebody somewhere else and take my focus off what I, what I thought was my dream and what it became, or do I sleep in a tent and, you know, really just tough it out. So anyway, I ended up toughing it out and thank God I did. And <clears throat> there was a really hard time throughout that progress of, uh, all my friends laughing at me, um, saying that what I wanted to do, I think just owning your own business at that age was funny to them and scary. And then obviously working with dogs, people made fun of me cause I went out and picked up dog shit for a living, but, um, it's what I had to do to fulfill what I thought was happening and is continuing to happen. Um, so I went through a bunch of shit pretty much. And it was really tough because I had no support. My mom and dad split up at a early age. So my mom really wasn't around. My dad was on the phone, but not around. My older brother was gone. Um, and I took care of my baby sister when I was in, in high school and it took me a few, few extra years to pass high school too. So I just went through all that shit and throughout the whole process, you know, I was getting dragged down by, you know, all of that on top of starting my own business. And so 
what I really started doing was connecting the dots of like, okay, these dogs are kind of going through the same shit that I've been through. You know, they were either neglected, abandoned, or abused, and, you know, nobody thought that they were going to do anything. So that's where I started honing in on working with aggressive dogs, working with dogs who are um, misunderstood, and which leads us to today of the No Bad Dogs podcast. And so eight years later... Fast forward, we are now at the Upstate Canine Academy here in Clifton Park, New York, and I went through four years of shit, and then the last couple years, we finally are able to hire staff and help people fulfill their dreams and work with dogs, and we've helped hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs. The last two years, we signed over 1,500 dogs, um, and we're continuing to help people. So from start to finish, it was really tough, and the America's Canine Educator finally came up throughout the years. I think year six is when we we, we labeled me as America's Canine Educator because I was traveling. I was working. Um, I was an animal control officer for a little bit. I worked with wolves. I have a contract. I've been working with wolves in the summer for about five years. I am a certified pet tech instructor, which means I travel and I also certify people and CPR and first aid for canines. Um, and then we also do a bunch of different things at the facility, behavior remodification, basic obedience, therapy work, CGC work, protection work. Um, and I've worked with a lot of different people within the industry surrounding uh, the dog training industry that has taught me, like if you want to go be um, – you know, really good at what, what you want to do in your arena, you're going to go try to study under those type of people. And that's what I did throughout the time of having no money and basically still being laughed at about what I wanted to do is I went out and I, and I shadowed and I worked with people who were the best at, at what they did. And I kind of just took pieces of like what I liked and what I didn't like. And I've developed um, what people call a perfect storm of, of working with dogs because I have a lot of different aspects and a lot of different, um, I guess, variables that I can look at. I'm very creative when I work with dogs because my versatility is there because I've, I, I, I've worked with the purely positive reinforcement training, like working with puppies and getting them and developing behaviors. And then I've also worked with um, people who are doing severe behavior modifications that have you know killed other dogs and have almost killed people. And so my versatility is there, my creativity is there, and that's what I really bring to the table. And so this is the No Bad Dogs podcast, and we are going to continue to bring in people on the show to help educate as many dog owners as possible, to help as many dogs as we can. If you look behind me um, on the YouTube channel, um, you can see all of the stuff that we put up. We're putting up local businesses, people that I support, people that support me, um, shit that I love. Uh, there's some whiskey. There's going to be coffee. Um, there's probably going to be beers, uh, all these things that uh, help me get get by and working with people and helping dogs. And um, so if you're on the YouTube, that's what this is. We set this up about 15 minutes ago, um, and it actually looks pretty cool. So I'm excited about it. Thank you guys so much for, for listening to the No Bad Dogs podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.